Hey everyone, welcome to the Curious Girl Diaries podcast. I'm Layla London, aka The Curious Girl. Now, just to let you know, this podcast is not suitable for work. It's also not suitable for anybody under 18. But the rest of you consenting adults, let's get ready to talk about my sex life, sex in general, and everything in between in explicit, raunchy, fun detail. All right, here we go. I love exploring and experiencing new things sexually and and connecting deeply with my partners through those experiences. And it's everybody's on the same page. It's there's 100% consent. I mean, what's wrong here? But I still feel like I have to hide it because I don't want to deal with the consequences of what a lot of society has to say about this stuff. I don't want to just show up and have sex with somebody and just to have sex. I want there to be just some like, I want to be excited to see this person and have a good time and just experience and appreciate them for who they are in my life. I would just rather masturbate. (laughs) Right? I mean, right? you know, right for, well, I'm sure Emma knows, like as a woman, like all the prep, you know, yeah. <laughs> it's like, no thanks, too much work. I just rather masturbate. <laughs> I'm really excited. This misconception out there that people who are non-monogamous, like all they do is like fuck all day long. And like, all we do is talk all day long and yeah. talk about talking and then talk about <laughs> everything. And so like, you're like, man, like we've been talking for seven hours. This today. sounds like, like a female's like, dream. Welcome to the Curious Girl Diaries podcast. I am Layla. Well, I am excited, really excited about today's guests. I just did a recording with them to be on their show and now they're on mine. They're super fun. Emma and Finn from the Normalizing Non-Monogamy podcast. Emma and Finn, welcome. Hi. Hi. Thanks for having us. Oh, I'm I'm so excited. We just had a great conversation on your podcast. Now we get to keep that rolling. But so since my podcast listeners don't know anything about you guys just yet, give my audience a little bit about your backstory, how you met, how long you guys have been together, all that good stuff. Yeah, go for it, Emma. (laughs) Well, we're the host of the Normalizing Non-Monogamy podcast, as you said. However, we also have been exploring non-monogamy for quite some time. We've been together, I should have done the math here, about... Let's see. 16, 17 years or yep, so. Yeah. Yep. And we've been non-monogamous from the majority of that. So we were pretty young when we started down the journey of an open relationship. And yeah, it has taken different forms over the course of the years. Yeah. How has that... So first of all, when you said 16 or 17 years, I'm like, did they start off at nine? Like really... <laughs> young. We, so we actually met each other in seventh grade and we started dating our freshman year of college. Yeah. And so we, we've been together since we were 19, 18 and 19. Yeah. yeah. And then about a year after that, we went and studied abroad in Australia uh-huh. and sort of at that time we were, neither of us had really had like a lot of dating experience or. Like, I mean, we were 18 and 19. Yeah, from a, <laughs> from a super small town and we were sort of out in the world and we were like, I think I brought the conversation up to Emma, like, Hey, you know, I want to explore with you. I don't, I don't want you to go anywhere. I don't want to go anywhere. But like, what about like, we've never really dated other people. We've never really like, we were just pretty limited in our experiences. And so we sort of started talking about like how we could maybe explore 
Like we love to travel. We love to explore the world. Like what else can we explore together while staying together? And so we sort of jumped in. We went, the first thing we did was we went to a sex party uh, that we was supposed to be a meet and greet. And it was actually a sex party. Yeah. And we sort of just wandered around, took in the sights and sounds. We you didn't really get involved. In the deep end. <laughs> well, we like the pool was there and it was yeah. super deep. And we sort of like wandered around the edge of it, like sat on the edge and put our feet in. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and that was pretty much it for a bit. And then, yeah, we came back. You were to just the there US. for the chili. Yeah. <laughs> That's. That's a reference to your interview on yeah. our podcast. Now people, now people have to go listen to both so they know what the hell we're talking about. Don't but that's perfect. Eat, that's right. That's right. Well, hopefully they will at the end of this. That's what we're going to ask them to do. But guys, don't eat the chili when you're at a sex party. All right. There we go. Enough said. <laughs> And yeah, so we came home and the school we went to was pretty remote and small and there wasn't anything really for us to explore there. So it didn't, we didn't really get back into it until about 2010. We moved to like the East Coast into a bigger city and we sort of started like trying to meet other people who were like, we could call like friends with benefits. And that was really sort of the journey for the next 10 years. Right. I was going to say 10 years. Yeah. yeah. Of like, we go, we travel, we love to meet people. We love to build friendships. We love to build connections. And then maybe they can like turn into something a little sexier if, if everyone's feeling it, but that doesn't have to be the, the cornerstone that the relationship is built on. Yeah. And I also noticed too, like on your website, you say that we devised a way to explore aspects of the dating world without ending our relationship. I love that. And I thought that was so brilliant because I feel like, first of all, you guys jumping out and exploring non-monogamy after only when you were really kind of only for the most part with each other predominantly for at such a young age. I mean, that's really progressive. So, I mean, that's a, I'm, not, I'm like, God, takes, some people can never get there. Sometimes, you know, it just takes, and, and others, it takes them 20, 30 years of being married before they finally go, maybe we should explore other avenues too. Cause you know, it's kind of, sure. we're going to stare this down for another 30 years. Maybe we want to add some spice to it. But I just, I was really curious, what was the catalyst that got you thinking along those lines so early on? I think part of it is that we both have a very adventurous spirit and we also didn't want to limit each other. And so if we could find a way to stay together, but also have new experiences and have fun in the dating world, I guess, and in exploring that, we wanted to support each other in doing that. And it don't get me wrong, like there's bumps along the road, but along the way, but it was the catalyst came from not wanting to limit each other. However, you were the one, Finn, to bring it up initially. So I should probably let you answer that question. <laughs> yeah, but that was exactly the catalyst was, I don't want to be limited myself, but I really don't want to limit Emma. Like I don't want to arrive 60 years from now, hopefully 70 years from now on our deathbed. And she's like, man, I wish I'd had all these experiences in life, but instead we got married and and now we did that. And I'm like, well, shit, what did I keep you from doing in life? I don't want to keep her from doing anything that she wants to do. Yeah. See, I just, I love that. I mean, like that's what I just love about you guys. It's like, and I'm hoping more people will warm up to this idea because it's not about doing something to the detriment of your partner. Mm -hmm. It's about being able to grow and have and share these experiences together and 
And then also maybe sometimes separately, whatever you guys agree on, but you know, it, it's not a threat to the foundation that you already have. It just kind of expands on it. And I just would love it if people would get more out, you know, start, we see people stepping out of this traditional way of thinking about relationships and how they have to be. And because a lot of the monogamous, long-term monogamous relationships and marriages, what ends up happening is, you know, they grow apart sexually and then they're just kind of friends living together and or they've got mismatched libidos which i get listeners write into me about all the time and one partner though just like won't have sex with their partner but they won't let them explore and mm-hmm. i just think that's so odd because i'm solutions based and i'm also kind of wondering because you guys have done so much traveling and i feel like uh, you know and i've done a fair amount too i feel like when you experience other cultures you start to realize there's just different ways of looking at things mm-hmm. it's there's not just one way and so i wonder how much that played into making you guys too more open minded about all of this stuff and okay so you had all that going on which was a lot and you said there's been some mishaps Right? Can you share um, a plethora? <laughs> just just a couple, one or two. Yeah, for sure. Well, and, and just really quick to your point though about like couples in a mismatched libido. I also really empathize with that. Like, if it's something that maybe like I really don't want to do, or maybe I can't do, maybe I'm just not equipped to do it. Right? For mm-hmm. some reason, and now Emma's able to go and have these experiences with somebody else. Like there is a piece of that that's intimidating. Like, well, hey, if she needs this in her life and I can't provide it, and now this other person can provide it, like, will she want to come back? And I think that's where we have to like, you have to really think about like, well, what else is our relationship to us besides this one thing that's happening? And I think we see that too with couples where like, yeah, the sex maybe falls away and now they're like, they have this great friendship, but like, do we have to get a divorce? Do we have to move out? Do we like really picking that apart? Like a relationship or a marriage doesn't have to be like sex five nights a week, plus the kids, plus all the extracurriculars, plus each of us have a nine to five. And we like, it's just like, it's not necessarily possible in a lot of ways. So yeah. So mishaps. (laughs) (laughs) Oh boy. I think, I don't even know where to start. It's been a, I mean, we've grown and learned along the way. And so we were very young when we started this journey, which has its own set of challenges, I think, because you're trying to figure out your life and like who you are in a lot of ways and going through that, who, what your relationship is at the same time of you're trying to figure out like the emotions around non-monogamy as well. And when when we were, when we were young, well, we, I think we're still young, but when we were first getting started and we were 20, 22, 23, like a lot of this up until maybe even just a few years ago was we did everything together. So we would go on dates together. Any like sexual experiences we would have would be together. And we were often finding ourselves like going on dates with people that were 10 or 15 years older than us because there weren't a lot of people, at least 15 years ago, 10, 15 years ago, that were in their early to mid 20s who were exploring this like intentionally the way that we were. And so we were meeting a lot of the people who been together for 10 or 15 years and now they're looking to put some spice back in their life. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, we had a lot of like- There wasn't anything wrong with that. Oh, no, I know. Exactly. No, I was just thinking that. I'm like, which there's nothing wrong with. I mean, again, it doesn't matter how you get there. Just right. You guys, I'm just, the point was you guys were ahead of that curve. Yeah. Right. Well, and so, yeah, so we would get into situations where 
I think when we first got started, there's this mentality of like the scarcity mindset, like, okay, we're going to go to dinner with these people. They're interested in us. What if nobody's ever interested in us again? Oh, yeah. So like, we should just power through. Fear and of so, loss. <laughs> yeah. Right. And so yes. we would be in these situations where we'd be like, I don't know, this doesn't really seem like it's going to go that well, but hey, let's power through. And we would we would find ourselves in situations where like one of us was taking one for the team or one of us was uncomfortable and we didn't know it until later and we'd talk about it and we'd be like, yo, I wasn't enjoying that. And she's like, well, I wasn't enjoying it either. And we're like... We, what were we, well, we doing? Yeah, yeah, we right. got to find a better way to communicate. We didn't know about how this. to get out of the situation or how to communicate about it. And you know, over time, we got better and better at that and recognizing, okay, these are our boundaries, or this is what we're interested in or not interested in, and yeah. how to communicate that. And it sometimes, especially early on, a lot of our experiences that weren't so great had a lot to do with alcohol and specifically the other people having way too much to drink and us not knowing how to get out of those situations. And so we kind of had to figure out how to navigate those. And we, like I said, we got better and better and better. And, and part of it was just recognizing like, hey, like we don't have to be as patient. Like we can set some boundaries and like, it's okay. And like we can say, oh, like it was great to meet you, but this isn't going to go any further and like move on to the next people or like foster a friendship, get to know them a little bit more if we're interested in that and then see where it goes. And that was always our intention anyway. And so it just was a really big learning process of how to do that. And also how to, we wanted to always, and we always still do like treat everyone with kindness and respect. And you can still do that while also having your own boundaries and setting your own wants and needs out there. Yeah, definitely. No, really good points. I hope what, you know, I hope you guys maybe think about, do you teach Are you teaching any classes on this? You should. Not in the moment. (laughs) The what nots to do? Yeah. Totally. Or just kind of get started. A lot of times people have a big list of questions, things that before you get into this, you should discuss this with your partner, be comfortable discussing this and this and help people open up dialogue and maybe avoid some of these pitfalls. (laughs) You're still going to hit them anyway, but this can kind of uh, soften that curve maybe a little bit. Yeah, you definitely, you guys definitely have uh, a lot of experience at this point. And what gave you the idea then to, you're already doing all this. What gave you the idea to start a podcast? So the idea for the podcast came from the realization that we loved talking to and meeting new people. And we loved going on that first date and getting to sitting across from some other people and just getting to know them and hearing their stories, hearing why they got interested in non-monogamy, what brought them to this point. And so in talking through that, we decided that it would be really cool to bring that to a podcast. And I will have to credit Finn most like the idea for it initially was his. And but it was something that we were both excited about, even if it was maybe daunting because we we decided to start the podcast at the same time that we left our jobs and went and traveled for a little bit. So there was a lot going on in our lives, but we were really excited to try something new and and to go into the podcast world as well. Yeah. Yeah. And you guys stayed anonymous like me. And we kind of talked about this on your show, but I want to talk about it here. Do you guys wrestle with it or how do you rectify in your minds, you're trying to get people to normalize non-monogamy while you're doing it anonymously. Yeah, it is a, a challenge for sure because yeah, we we have a lot of guests who come on and they're completely out and open. They'll share photos, they'll use their real names, they'll do all of the things. I, I know and I've seen I've seen your your roster there. Yeah. 
Yeah. And so like, I, we have a huge amount of gratitude for people who are doing that. And I think for us, when we started this podcast, we had no idea what it was going to be. Like it was an idea. We thought we'd try it out and it kind of took off. And we weren't open about our non-monogamy yeah. in our lives at all because it was our sex life and it was between yeah. us. And yeah. And so our family didn't know, our friends didn't know until really even like three years into us doing this was the first time we told anybody in like our other life. Yeah. 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 And so it sort of was... the response? Can I ask you, like, what was the response? Yeah, our friends have pretty much, without exception, just been super supportive and excited. And some of them have even like joined, like we have a Patreon community and some of them have even joined that and are yeah. like just above and beyond supportive. Oh, that's amazing. That's, a, that's amazing. Our families, it's been a... It's been a, a more of a conversation. A more of a conversation, and yeah. And taking some more time. It's, kind of take cotton them off guard, right? That like they had no idea, but we'd been doing non-monogamy for 10 years or so before yeah. we told them about it. And so you kind of, you know, in a lot of ways, you feel like you've been misled. And to some degree they had been, but also like it was our sex life. And we don't, right. it's not like we're in there sharing like, well, and here's the sex position we tried last night and here's the toy we <laughs> use. Like, yeah. so like to think like, and we involved these people and then those people, like it just, it's not something that we really needed to share with anybody until Correct. it sort of, until we needed to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 So it is something that we wrestle with. And like what we encourage people to do is do it at your own pace, like or at your own comfort level. If you're comfortable being out there and you want to do that fully, like I fully support you and, and, and want you to do that. But if other people who are not out there at all also completely respect that and do it at your own level. And I feel like we, try to find this hybrid that we are doing it just at our own pace. So yeah, yeah, we are telling more and more people and being more and more open about it, but it is, it has taken us time. Yeah, no, I'm the same way. It's, I, every, I I wrestle with, you know, I think about it a lot in my head, you know, it's like, why am I hiding who I am when I'm not doing anything wrong? I'm just for lack of a better term, you know, to use a, to use kind of a generic term, sex positive. I love exploring and experiencing new things sexually and, and connecting deeply with my partners through those experiences. And it's everybody's on the same page. It's there's 100% consent. I mean, what's wrong here? But I still feel like I have to hide it because I don't want to deal with the consequences of what a lot of society has to say about this stuff. And which again, to your point, why should society have anything to say about who I'm sleeping with or what I'm doing? Or maybe I like clown sex. Yep. <laughs> Nobody's yep. business but my own, you know? <laughs> right. <laughs> or right. remember chicken well, yeah. sex. You yeah. Know what I mean, like, who cares? It's un- <laughs> right. It's just unfortunate the way, I guess, our society kind of treats sex. And it's sad to me that it is that. You can't be more open about it yeah. or I wish the, I had the judgment balls right now about this because I do the same thing. I have people on and they're out there and open. And I'm just like, and it seems to be going pretty well for them. You know? mm-hmm. <laughs> like, yeah. And I think, you know, like, oh, I don't know, you know, like I want to, but I'm cautious. So yeah. I think maybe eventually, but yeah, it's going to be, it's a tough decision. Yeah. It's tough. yeah. So yeah. I just, and I was really interested in what your perspective was since you guys kind of on a similar path as myself. 
Um, yeah. yeah. And I think that, I think there is an element of that. Like we don't, like if, if I were to meet somebody walking around town and they were for some reason to be like, oh, blah, 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 non-monogamy, I would probably be like, yeah, you know what? I'm not monogamous. Like, I don't think I would have an issue in person sharing that with somebody. I think there is this element for me that like, like you said, I just don't want to deal with like judgy people trolling you mm-hmm. from who knows where because they got nothing better to do. Right. And like, I've got a lot of better things to do than deal with that. And so like, if like, and we're with our inner circle or we're in person with people, like I'm not that concerned about it. I think part of it is just, we don't want to deal with shitty people having shitty opinions that like don't build us up and don't build up the community. And so like, yeah. I don't know. Maybe that's a little bit selfish, but yeah, like you said, we have so many people who come on and they share like how out and proud and bold they are. And you feel, you leave those conversations feeling empowered and you're like, why am I concerned about this? Like yeah. who, who, oh, really, who really cares at this point? Thanks for coming on your anonymous podcast host. Can't wait to air this episode. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Oh, we- yes. Okay. In case anybody doesn't fully understand it, what is consensual non-monogamy? Yeah, it's a good question. Yeah. You want me to take a stab? Go for it. Yeah, see if you get it right. (laughs) I don't think there's a right and wrong. Well, maybe there's a wrong wrong way to describe it. Yeah. I don't think that... I think it can be described in a few different ways, but it can... I think the core piece of it that is important is that it is ethical and consensual with your partner. So it it's... You know what... You both know what's going on. You talk about it. Even if there's... People can agree to have don't ask, don't tell relationship styles where they don't share things, but then they agree to that. So it's a conversation with your partner or partners where you're upfront and open about what's going on and nothing is hidden. And I think that is one of the key elements of it. Yeah, I, I would agree. I don't think that doesn't mean there's not privacy. That doesn't mean that like every partner that we have, they know all of the things that go on between Emma and me or that I know everything that goes on between Emma and one of her other partners, right? Or somebody. So there's definitely privacy. But yeah, it's that everybody knows like, hey, here's what our relationship looks like. Here's how we do it. Here's who else I'm talking to. Here's what that relationship looks like. Maybe it's just flirting or maybe it's a little more serious. And so like, yeah, we're not hiding things from each other. We're not deceiving each other. And that goes for not just us, but like anybody that we're going to interact with. We are open about that and who we're who we're talking about. And like even down to like the conversations, right? If we're going to in the past, right? If we hook up with another couple, we talk about like, here's what our history has been like the last couple months. We've been tested for STIs and here was what our status was. And a week ago, we did these types of things. So people have an idea of like what they're getting into. And it's not just like a surprise that they find out what our dynamic is. Yeah. And I think that the important thing to point out too, is that if your listeners are not familiar with non-monogamy at all, there's kind of a, a range, I guess, Labels are hard. Labels are really hard. But there's more of the... I would say, first of all, it's up to the person or the people in the relationships to define what works for them. And they can figure that out because there's a wide range. But it can go from traditionally the word swinging refers to more casual sex. And that's what you know that world is like. It's more casual sex environment. Everything from that to polyamory where people fall in love with multiple people and have more, I guess, defined relationships with other people. And so and there's a wide spectrum in between. If people find different things that work for them. And so I just wanted to throw out a little bit of that terminology, but it's it's hard because, I don't know, labels are hard. <laughs> oh, I know. I totally get it. Yeah. I mean, you know, if you say vanilla relationship, what's under that umbrella? A lot. 
you yeah, say sure. consensual non-monogamy, what's under that? A lot. So mm-hmm. it's really, and it's limitless because it's defined by the people involved to come right. up yep. with what works for, for them and everybody. Good news. Strictly Anonymous podcast is looking for people to call into the show. So if you lead an interesting, naughty secret life that you want to talk about while remaining anonymous or not anonymous, if you're out and proud, that's cool too. Send me an email, strictlyanonymouspodcast at gmail.com. That's strictlyanonymouspodcast at gmail.com. Or go to my website, strictlyanonymouspodcast.com and click on be on the show. And so, yeah. Yeah, we often find that the label is really just like a conversation starter, right? Right. Like somebody says, oh, hey, yeah, we're polyamorous. And I'm like, great, what does that, what does that mean to you? Yeah. Right. Like, are you married and you go on a couple of dates here and there with people? Do you have like three partners that you live with? Like, what does this really mean to you? And then for us, it's a fun conversation to like hear what that really means. So, Well, and that's yeah. what really our podcast has discovered or we've discovered through our podcast is that we interview people every week. And it's all over the board of different relationship styles. And so, and what works for them around non-monogamy or doesn't work for them, trying to figure that out as well. I think one of the biggest things we try to drive home is that we want to expose people to non-monogamy, share that this is an opportunity. And if you want to, if you want to go that road, but you don't have to, you know, monogamy works for a lot of people. And we're not out there trying to say that monogamy is wrong. It's just that monogamy also doesn't work for a lot of people. And so knowing that non-monogamy... It's not a one size fits all. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Now, you guys are polyamorous, right? Yeah. In about, at this point, yeah, about a year and a half ago or so, we ended up meeting another couple that we really kind of just hit it off with. There was chemistry and a connection that we had not found with other anybody else. And so we we kind of jumped into that. It had been a conversation that we had had leading up to that point of like, would we be interested in like dating separately and maybe having a deeper relationship and knowing that that might happen asynchronously, that Emma might meet somebody before me or I might meet somebody before her. Yeah, we had talked about it because we had been kind of open about that possibility throughout our journey in non-monogamy, but we never, I guess, put the wheels in motion to make that happen that intentionally. Well, I think too, part of that is like the connection hadn't been there in the past, right? And so that was, I think, really where that conversation started is like, hey, we're building these friends with benefits relationships. What happens if you start to have feelings beyond friends? Like, do you want to have to be like, hey, no, you can't do that. Like, we're done with these people because you got feelings. (laughs) It happens. For sure it happens. And so we, that was kind of what happened here is like, we were able to meet them and we spent a weekend together and their chemistry was sort of off the charts. And we just kind of were like, let's explore what this is because it feels good. It feels right. And like, so since then we've been in a, I guess the terminology would be a polyamorous quad. So I like our partners are also married to each other. And so like I have a relationship with the other woman. Emma has a relationship with the other guy. There aren't really romantic or sexual relationships like with me and the other guy or Emma and the other woman, but there are friendships and they would be considered like the other guy would be my metamor is the terminology that gets used there. And wait, wait. the other woman... I haven't heard that before. You just you just dropped a, a bomb on A me. new one? Yeah, yes. the term meta. A metamor is your partner's partner. So Emma's boyfriend would be my metamor and my girlfriend would be Emma's metamor. And to be clear, like we're in a polyamorous quad, the way this looks like, the way it's set up for us. But that's not, I'd say that's more unusual in polyamory. Like most, 
in general, a lot of people will date multiple people, but they might not be in relationships with uh, with each other. I guess I'm trying to say. So it depends, but I want to make sure that it's you don't clear. have to do it in the quad. yeah. You don't have to do it in the quad, and actually. Doing it in a quad is quite difficult too because you're dealing with their relationship and our really like there's more relationships and dynamics yeah, there that, yeah. that you have to navigate. See, I've yeah. often thought like one of the things I put on my bucket list this year was like maybe that I would be a part of a thruple. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I just thought like that would be, I don't know, because I felt like I wanted the connection and I wanted, I wanted that. And just to to experience it and see what it's all about. And I, when I started doing all this, it was very, you know, as I told you guys, when we recorded, like I was just, I had certain things in my head. Like I just thought it's going to be this way, this way, this way. And I don't want any strings attached, friends with benefits, but nobody crosses that line. And that, you know, yada, yada. I had this whole thing in, in my head and you go along long enough and feelings happen and things develop and relationships change. And now I don't try to fight any of that stuff because I just know it's so unrealistic. It's just like, it's either going to or it's not. Don't worry about it. Just let the current carry you where you're meant to go and make a decision about it if you arrive someplace that isn't working for you. But, you know, I really thought I had all this control over it and you really don't. But I'm wondering for you two, what was it like the first time you realized your partner now being in this polyamorous relationship, like, well, holy shit, like she's really having a relationship with someone else. There's feelings there and vice versa. Wow, he's really like, there might be love there. Maybe not the same, but like, it's a real strong, significant connection. Yeah. Did that, yeah, a lot. Like, how did that, feel? what does that feel like? Yeah, and I think so. One of the things that happens, and if you listen to a lot of different non-monogamous podcasts or just even relationship podcasts, probably the like the term new relationship energy gets kind of thrown out there, which is like, hey, I met this new person. It's so exciting. And yeah. like all of the chemicals in your brain are just going bananas. And you're just you're like flirting, you're excited, you're giddy. And yeah. then you turn to your, your regular partner like, hey, could you pass me the ketchup? Right. Exactly. And so the fortunate thing for us was that we went through this at the same time. And so I think if one of us had gone through it on their own and the other person was sort of having to support it, I think it would have been a lot harder. I don't know that this is necessarily a good thing, but I think there was almost an element of like, hey, I'm so absorbed in my thing that like, I don't maybe know, like, okay, yeah, Emma's obviously falling in love with this person and they have this thing and they're super excited. But like, look at me, I'm super excited too. So then we can like be super excited together versus like one of us is like, yeah, have fun on your date tonight. I'm going to be at home by myself again. Yeah, you guys both both really got to share it, experience it uniquely, but then share it together because it's like fun that you could both talk about it and be able to relate, like you said, as opposed to being on different levels and one person just going and the other one just having to kind of be an observer of it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so like, I think it happened and it happened for both of us. And so it's definitely harder. There are definitely like emotions that come up that don't come up when you're just swinging or having casual sex. And we've had to figure out like how to navigate those. And Uh, so how that happened before when you weren't in a polyamorous relation? Like, no, you haven't had to tackle that before where feelings were developing or beyond? No, not, not beyond like close friendships. So I, we've experienced that in the past for sure. And, and I mean, currently too, but the, this was all new to go into more of a, a like a romantic relationship with us, somebody else. And it forced us then to like 
evaluate the quality time we were spending together, right? And so it's easy to be excited in this new relationship and be like, we're going to go on a date and we're going to do this and this, and then we're going to do that. And then we're looking at each other like, when was the last time we did that? And now we're being a lot more intentional about us and our time, right? Like, hey, like, let's just sit and play a board game, put our phones away. We're going to sit and play a board game tonight and listen to music. And, (laughs) or we're going to go on a date. We're going to go play putt putt golf and have a nice dinner and grab a beer and like date each other again. And so we've... It's it, so it, much fun, isn't it? Dating. I mean, like, it really is. I'm like, yeah, kitty. Because I'm like, I, all these experiences I've had, it's like, that's what I just love. I love... I don't want to just show up and have sex with somebody and just to have sex. I want there to be just some like, I want to be excited to see this person and have a good time and just experience and appreciate them for who they are, you know, in my life. And yeah, that's stuff I really enjoy the most, I think. Well, and I think for me, I'm venturing to guess for Emma, knowing her as well as I do, that like that makes the sex better, right? Like you aren't just some like person that maybe you don't even know their name, right? Like you're like, ah, you get done. Like, I don't know who this person is. I don't know what they like. I would just rather masturbate. (laughs) Right? I mean, right? yeah. you know, right for, well, I'm sure Emma knows, like as a woman, like all the prep, you know, yeah. <laughs> it's like, no, thanks too much work. I just rather masturbate. You know? <laughs> I'm really excited. Yeah. 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 And so it's, the feelings have been a lot and we're constantly navigating, reevaluating, talking about it. And I think, you know, maybe that's one thing that there's like this misconception out there that people who are non-monogamous, like all they do is like fuck all day long. And like, all we do is talk all day long and yeah. talk about talking and then talk about <laughs> everything. And so like, you're like, man, like we've been talking for seven hours. This today. sounds like, like a female's dream. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> Not always. I Not know. always. I know. I'm joking. Yeah. So Making yeah. Making fun it's of a, our sex. Yeah. Right. <laughs> right. Right. So yeah, it's a lot. It's, it's, but on the other side are these beautiful relationships and connections with people and the, like what other world do I get to have I'm married to Emma and we're we're living a life together. And yeah, we have these other partners that we've been in relationships with for over a year. And there's a deep level of love and connection and intimacy and autonomy. You know, that was one of the things way back at the beginning in Australia when we had the conversation, like, hey, I don't want to limit you. I don't want to limit your experiences in life. And one of the things Emma said at the beginning of this like the first time we met them, like, I think I want to fall in love with this person. Like, who am I to say like, you no? guys said that to each other? I did. <gasps> yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. What did you say to that, Ben? Yeah. I, don't, I think I, he felt similarly. Yeah. But him. also like we, one thing that we have navigated in our relationship is a bit of an imbalance in some jealousy. So mm-hmm. Emma has had a harder time throughout the journey, like with jealousy, with jealousy. Right. And so I've been a little bit more timid about saying stuff like that. Like I'm not going to be the one to like, you don't want to feed prob- into that. Yeah. Or yeah. promote well, it. Yeah. Right. Exactly. So a a little more guarded. Yeah. A fun anecdote around that is like one of the first nights we met them, they, we, we have a long distance relationship. So we were able to meet them. The first time we met them was after a couple of months. And there was like two bedrooms in the Airbnb that we had. And we were all like fooling around, having fun. And then everybody kind of fell asleep in this queen bed. And it was not... Four, four people in a queen bed. I was not gonna comfortable. Say, ooh, that's... that's I know, so, I have a queen bed and I have three dogs and a bunny. And I know how I feel when I'm like on my little <laughs> sliver way on the edge while they're all... And they're small dogs and they're all spread out, you know, like living like high on the hog. And I'm just in my little 12 inches, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so that night... 
we're like, we all woke up and somebody made the comment like, oh, well, we shouldn't all sleep together. So the other guy, Emma's, Emma's partner, got up and left and went to the other bedroom. And now I'm laying in bed with Emma and my now girlfriend. Yeah. And I was like, well, I don't know what to do here. And so like the question got thrown out like, well, I can't remember if you asked or she asked like, well, do you want to leave or do you want me to leave? And they it kind of like sat there quietly and and then she's like, well, do you mind if I stay and you go? And Emma's like, sure. okay. And I'm over here like, oh my God, what's happening? Like, yeah. and so like, I was like, I'm not touching this one. Like <laughs> yeah. I'll let them figure it out and I'll wait over. Smart. You're like, I'm going to let them navigate this and I'm going to do whatever they agree on. <laughs> and in, so, in retrospect, Finn and I should have talked about that possibility ahead of time, but we didn't, we didn't even think about it. It all worked out. And it was a good experience for all of us, but it was definitely something new. And following that trip, when I did tell Finn that this was someone I wanted to fall in love with, I can understand his hesitancy to bring that up to me. And I definitely think I shocked you a little bit, but it ended up like it just continued to be conversations between us. Yeah, It wasn't a like this. I didn't come to him and say, this is happening. This I said, this is like, let's talk about this. Yeah. I love that. Well, and I like how it just, it feels like this was very natural, yeah, organic. And I think an intensity that neither of us had really ever experienced. And I think we both got very wrapped up in it. Like it was, Mm -hmm. it's those, those NRE feelings, they are, they're like a drug. I mean, they fire a lot of the same chemicals in your brain. And so you're, you're operating on a whole new level when that's happening. And it was, and it is like super exciting. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I know. So what do you think are some of... I know you, you kind of... I think you've kind of already sprinkled some in there, but what do you think are some of the biggest misconceptions people have about non-monogamy? Or con, I'm sorry, uh, consensual non-monogamy. Yeah. Biggest misconceptions. That's a really good question. I think, well, one, we kind of already alluded to the fact that all we're doing is having sex. Yeah. <laughs> and, well, hold on. All we're doing isn't having sex. No, the misconception. Oh, the misconception is that that's all we're doing. I got you. Right. Okay. I think <laughs> I think that can be a misconception. I think it's it can be a misconception. The uh, I don't know an assumption that you if someone says they're non-monogamous that you know what that means for them because there can be so many different flavors of non-monogamy that mm-hmm. it, you to make that assumption that you know what that means for that person can be, you don't want to do that because it, it needs to be able to start a conversation about what that means to that person. What are their misconceptions? I think that, like you said, that it's just all about the sex. I think there are very few people we've talked to in the last 15 years that that like, they're not interested in anything beyond sex. Like we we did, we had brunch with a couple one time and they told us, hey, for us, this they literally said, this is sport fucking. Yeah. We would bring you back to our hotel room we would have sex with you and we would never talk to you again. And we were like, great. Sounds like brunch it is. Because like, that's not our dynamic. That's not what we want. And I think... Like, thank you for being up front with us. For sure. But but again, like, good on them. I mean, for... I like that there's a fair exchange of communication Mm -hmm. so that people can make a decision, an educated decision, Mm -hmm. an informed decision, because that's important. Yeah, and I think that like... Yeah, building on that, that like most of the people we talk to, like they want some type of a connection. And that doesn't mean you're polyamorous. And there's like oftentimes, 
you hear people kind of come at this, like there's two camps. There's like the poly people and there's the swingers and never the two shall cross. But like when you really start talking to people, like there's this, there's this area between the two that like the majority of people hang out in. And yeah. it's, we love zone. these, the gray yeah. zone. Yeah, we yeah. love these people. They're our best friends. And yeah, sometimes we have sex and oh, well, she goes on dates with him and I go on dates with her. And then like, so like what really, where is the line between the two? And it's really like, yeah, everybody kind of just does it their way. And there isn't a right way. I think there are some, there's definitely some wrong ways, but there isn't like a one yeah. right way yeah. to do it. And I think, Sorry, go ahead. I was just going to, another misconception I think is that looking in, it can look to be really hard. So like the statement like non-monogamy is just way too hard. And I understand that. It's not easy. It's definitely not easy. But my, the flip side would be monogamy is not always easy either. Relationships in general are hard. They're tricky. Yeah. Just choose, and choose your hard. Choose, which which exactly. one is it going to be? Yeah, because there's going to be... And if, if one feels less hard than the other and that's what you want to do, go for it. But yeah, I just want to put that out there that I think it's all about... I mean, relationships in general are hard. And they can, some can feel easier than others. And maybe that's a sign if it's too hard, then you're not with the right person necessarily. But maybe it is for you. I don't know. It's just, it. it's about finding what works for you. Yeah. Now, what advice, maybe one or two things, like what are the one or two just top things that you would give couples who think they want to explore the consensual non-monogamy or any kind of really, I guess, or alternative lifestyles together? Don't be afraid to go slow. I think that it's important to have conversations and to do your research and to talk and talk and talk. At some point, you're going to want to jump in and actually actually do something. And I think that's okay too, but don't be afraid to, to say no to people, to be a little picky, to take your time. Because often, as Finn was saying earlier, we it's easy to enter non-monogamy in a scarcity mindset and say that, oh, there's just not going to be anybody else out there. But that's not true. And sometimes what we've learned is that patience can pay off. I think on the flip side, also don't be afraid to go fast. And I know that seems kind of counter, extremely counter to what Emma said. But like, if you do feel something, if you do, like the first people you meet might be like the people you've needed in your life forever. Right. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, yeah, we, we jumped into relationships really quickly. We did, but also for 15 years, we had so many dates that were like, what are, no, 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 no. Right. And, but we've also talked to people who are like, yeah, we went on one date and like it was magic and we've never looked back. And you're mm-hmm. like, great. But if they were afraid, if they were to be like, wow, hold on. Emma yeah. and said, go, go slow. Like, let's not lock ourselves in with these people. Right. And not that you have to lock yourselves in with, with anybody, but like, maybe it's trust your gut. Yeah. Trust your gut. <laughs> I would say, right? And know that you are going to make mistakes. You're going to make mistakes. You're going to have uncomfortable experiences. You're going to hurt each other, right? I mean, it's inevitable in any type of relationship. You're going to hurt somebody. Somebody's going to get hurt along the way. And it's really about how you like work through that and understand each other and repair repair that relationship and to come back to it, right? Like if you do get hurt or somebody gets hurt or an experience goes off the rails, Mm -hmm. To not be like, well, we're done with that because, you know, one, it's obviously not going to work for us. Like, I would say that and be aware, be very open to the fact that you are going to have to grow as a person. You are going to have to challenge a lot of the things that you've been taught through just society that like you're going to be 
untangling those for a long time. And you're going to have to sort of, in a lot of cases, do it sort of in a silo because what you're going to go to your church and talk to your pastor about like the stuff you're struggling with, like your normal path, your normal outlets for support may not exist anymore. You may have to find new channels to get the support you need on the things you're dealing with. Because how easy is it for us to go to a friend and be like, man, I'm really struggling because this thing's happening with Emma and her boyfriend. And the guy's like, oh, well, okay. If you weren't non-monogamous, that wouldn't be a problem. And it's like, right, but but that's not actual advice. Like that doesn't help me because we're not going to do that. So having the support that like you need and that works for you is pretty critical. And just chiming in really quickly with one other kind of more maybe lighthearted piece of advice in situations, don't be afraid to call out the awkwardness. It's just, it's going to happen in different, whether it's sexual or not, or just, I don't know, don't be afraid to call it out and say, hey, this is awkward. Or, hey, I'm anxious about this because of this. And what we found is when you do that, it just makes, helps things go so much smoother in general. Is there a specific sexual awkward situation you're referring to? Yeah, oh, every everyone uh-oh. that I'm a part of for the most part. <laughs> Not necessarily anything specific. There's just been a lot of a lot of times where I look back and it's like, oh, you know, if I would have just said, called this out or said something, and I've done that in other since then, it would have been so much better. And yeah. it has been so much better. Just to even talking about with someone about your insecurities, that can be really it's vulnerable to do, right. but it can really help deepen that friendship or that connection and just make the experience overall more, I guess, go smoother. I think too, too, you've shared with us, right? And probably with your listeners that like threesome is on your bucket list. Yeah. So, so I think, right? Now it's like I've got, I, I wear the cone of shame. <laughs> well, well, this isn't going to help at all. But I okay. think th- the opportunity for awkward in a threesome is very prominent <laughs> because it's inevitable that at some point someone's going to be watching and not really doing a whole lot. And then you're just kind of like looking around like, all right, like, what do I do? What do I do? Where do I fit in? And we've had that with a group of three. We've had that with a group of four because, well, now three people are kind of doing a thing and the fourth person's like, all right, guys, like I'm going to, I don't know, go make a drink for everybody. I was going to say, what do you do? Grab a beer? Like, what do you do? Just roll with it? gotten drinks, gone to the kitchen and gotten a snack. I know like I'm not supposed to eat the chili, but like sometimes if you're not, if there's not room for you in the puzzle, you got to find something else to do. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. So how has your journey through non-monogamy changed and expanded over the years? That's a great question too. I th- yeah. Go for it. You're about to say something. Well, I think the biggest, the biggest like shift was into developing these deep partnerships with other people. But even before that, like the journey started very much like we would go on dates together and then we would have experiences with people with what like is typically known like in the in the community as like soft swapping, which would be no penetrative sex. So we would do that for quite like that was quite a while that we did that. And then we sort of like tiptoed into having sex with people. And then we sort of just hung out in that space where we would have these experiences with other people together. And then there were some opportunities for like one or the other of us to go and have an experience by ourselves. And we were able to do that. And that wasn't necessarily dating or falling in love, but more of like a a one-off experience with a friend or something. And so it sort of was just a slow evolution of like getting more and more comfortable with like, 
what can we do? What can our relationship sustain? And giving ourselves that time to grow. And then, yeah, I think laying that foundation really allowed us to jump into the the polyamory side of it. Yeah. At the same time, we've seen people who jump right into polyamory and they make that work as well. So you don't have to have a 14-year lead up to <laughs> yeah, that right. for it to work. Right. Yeah. yeah. So you guys, basically what's come of this is you now are in it for not just the, I guess the adventures and the and the sexual learning or trying new things and all that, but it's also the emotional, the other emotional mm-hmm. connections, the strong connections that, yeah, you can build. I would say yeah. that's that's been the same for me too. I When I first started, it was just like, no, I didn't want any kind of romantic connection. And mm-hmm. I was very upfront about that because like I said, I just, I really thought I'm going to do this for a year and then I'm going to be, then I'm going to close the door on it. And whoever was part of that won't be part of my real life moving forward. (laughs) Right. uh, But then I started to, you know, as you just get more open and you want to explore things, then I'm like, well, the sex was great, but what if I had that while also having a really deep, amazing connection to someone? And I think the minute that I got right with that, like this is, it's okay for me to do and just see what happens and stop trying to avoid this. It got a lot, it definitely, I mean, the sex got better. Things just really blossomed because I'd removed that roadblock. It wasn't like I was looking for it, but I wasn't gonna run screaming from it either. And it just allowed my adventures and everything to really expand and take off. And I'm glad I did. I'm glad I like removed that, kind of got past that. But when I had my little training wheels on, I was like, nope, nope, not going down that road. That's not going to happen. <laughs> and, which is silly because we think we have control over that. And a lot of times you don't. I mean, unless you're just going to see somebody once, but even then you can have some crazy connection and you'll still be thinking about them. So wondering, you know, so anyway... I just. Well, I think that's. Oh God, I'm sorry. I didn't mean oh, to. Oh no, I just. I laugh. I love to laugh at myself. Like the ideas I had in the beginning is like, well, I didn't really work out. But I love that I've. I just love the learning. I love the learning process and everything, mm-hmm. and that I've learned through leading. You know, making my sex life a priority. It's incredible the things you realize and the levels that you can grow to. I just. Yeah. It's been amazing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think in some ways what this shift into polyamory and being able to, for both of us to recognize that like we can do this, we can have these connections and it strengthens our connection and it builds us up. I think what that really kind of showed us was it's not like, okay, now moving forward, all of our interactions have to be like this. What it's given us is like our relationships in the future can be whatever our relationships in the future makes sense to be like. So maybe it is a casual thing. Maybe it's somebody that you just flirt with and that's okay. Maybe you go on one date a month and that's okay. Or maybe they move in, right? Like who knows what it is, but it's basically given us the ability to like blow the doors off and just say, hey, if you have a thing going on, like explore that thing for what it is. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I'm right. I love it. I'm right right there with you. (laughs) Okay, so tell me about one of the most erotic experiences you've had through this journey you've been on and why. And then maybe conversely, the worst experience and why it was (laughs) what made it so bad. I want some juicy stories. 
some juicy ones. I will say one of the ones that sort of rises to the top, I think I think for both of us, it, it comes up a lot of times when we talk about this, is our second year, I believe, or maybe it was our first year. We went to, there's a... It was our first year. It was our first year. We went to a, a lifestyle resort in Cancun called Desire. So it was for people who are non-monogamous. And we went as part of a takeover with another podcast called Life on the Swing Set. And we just, we kind of met our people there. Like, and yeah. we had struggled, we had struggled. Like we said, like, yeah, we looked for 10 years for Friends with Benefits. We struggled to find it. And we sort of found that at this resort. Mm-hmm. And so we like, we found ourselves one night in like a, a hotel suite or their their room with, there was about 16 people. And we started the night by everybody, like we get into a circle and everybody shares what they're interested in, what they're not interested in, what their relationship dynamic is. It's basically an opportunity for everyone to, to like get on the same page, talk about consent, talk about what works and doesn't. And then it was just a multiple hours of like people just having fun. And some people had sex with each other. Some people just sat and watched. Some people were in the hot tub. Some people were sitting on the balcony. And it was just a wide array of just about anything you could think of yeah. was yeah. happening. Yeah. And it was just, it was a, it was a beautiful night. And it was, I guess it kind of hit home for both of us. Like this is what the kind of thing we've been looking for. And the, we finally felt like we found some of that or a lot of that. So it was just the comfort and ease that that night felt was so different from the past. And it was like, ah, when you're patient and when you find the right people, it can be so much better and feel just feel good to be in those atmosphere, in that atmosphere. Yeah. Conversely, I think about this. What's a good example? I would say... (laughs) there've been a lot. When we first got into this, like we were not good at the like, hey, this isn't a good situation. So one one that's kind of fun and super awkward to talk about is we, we met this couple we met him at a club when we lived out on the East Coast. There's a nightclub. And we met him one night and they seemed like pretty cool people. And we wound up like going back to their hotel room that night and really didn't do much. Just like, I think Emma and the other woman like maybe kissed for a few minutes. But like we left there and she's like, I don't know if I can do this because she tasted like cigarettes. And like for us, smoking's kind of like a deal breaker that's really hard for us to get past. We know it's not for everybody. Right, sure. (laughs) So she's like, you know, but like, you know, they seem like nice people, you know, and they invited us over to their house the following weekend to like cook dinner for us and like play games and see where things went. So we do that. We go over there and we were eating dinner and the guy's like, well, hey, does, you know, does smoking bother you? Because I smoke, but I don't have to. And we're like, well, yeah, it kind of does. So like, that'd be great if you could not smoke. Yeah. So then like, periodically throughout the evening, he would, he would disappear for like 10 minutes and then he would come back. And what was happening was he would go and smoke. Yeah. And then he would wash his hands and brush his teeth and then come back and hang out with us. But it was pretty obvious. Right. And... And Emma was kind of like, yeah, this isn't happening. Yeah, so the evening didn't escalate. We were just playing games and, and hanging out. And But he picked they, up on it, yeah, that they, it, that she wasn't having it. They were very, obviously, very disappointed about that. And, you know, looking back, we should have been able to communicate clearly and have left the situation. But being so new, we were patient. And eventually, he went upstairs and... He started drinking very heavily. Yeah, he drank a lot. And yeah. so and we knew at this point, like, nothing was going to happen. And so he went upstairs and passed out and she, the other, his partner fell asleep on their couch. And so Finn and I found ourselves in their house (laughs) 
like with both of them asleep. And it was like, okay. That's weird. Yeah. So we eventually like picked up all of our, like got our stuff because we brought some games and, and that type of thing, games and drinks and left. But it was so... I don't know. It was a very uncomfortable and strange experience. <laughs> well, and we had we had woken her up and said like, "Hey, we're gonna leave," but like your husband doesn't sound good. Like he's upstairs. It doesn't sound good. Oh, was he sick? Getting sick? It no. was like he fell out of bed. Maybe we oh. we weren't sure. It was okay. just we weren't sure what was going on. Just something was yeah. going on. So she's like, "Okay, I'll go check on him." So she went upstairs, and we're standing there with like jackets on, all our stuff rounded up, figuring she's going to come down and be like, "Hey, yeah, he's okay. Thanks for coming over. Sorry, we got whatever." So like she didn't come down. A few minutes later, he came down. Uh-huh. He walked. He walks past us. Goes outside. Smokes. Comes back in walks past us, goes upstairs and never says a word to us. Oh, weird. And then they just, and they just left us in their living room. And so we let ourselves out and yeah. that was the last we ever heard of them. Yeah, it was just a bizarre experience. Yeah, that is bizarre. Well, <laughs> unfortunately, that is going to, you're going to have to kiss a few frogs. I mean, it's <laughs> in the prospecting process that happens. Sure. Come across some weirdos. I mean, it's like, it's like that for me too. I mean. Well, and you're, but, you're standing there like, what? What what world am I living in right now? Like that this just this is happening, right? Yeah, I know. So well, and looking back, like they, I, I don't remember how long they had been exploring non-monogamy or anything like that because this oh. was a while ago. But I don't know what they had discussed. What sure. it, maybe like they weren't able to tell us what they needed or wanted, and like we weren't able to either. And that yeah. gets yeah. back to my point earlier of like setting expectations, calling out the awkwardness. Like we would have handled that situation very differently now. Yeah. Um, sure. Yeah, but we didn't we didn't know back then. Yeah, we'll see. That's why I'm saying you guys got <laughs> guys got to put all this down. People want to yeah. know this stuff. They need help. Okay. So, you, I don't know, you you probably aren't aware of this, but for me March is March Masturbation Madness Month. And it's for me, I have to masturbate every day for 31 days. And um, I encourage my listeners to do the same. It's fun. And, <laughs> and is a, that's a fun, that's a fun challenge. It is. It's a fun challenge. And you know, I get to try all my new great sex toys. I've got like, I, do you have a Vesper? No. no. Oh my goodness. You've got to go to Lovecrave, lovecrave.com. Yeah. If you, huh. use, you use the code Curious Girl, you can get, get your stuff engraved. I got this. This is a this is a, a new favorite too. It's the, the Duet Pro. Anyway, so I refreshed my sex toys because I knew this was coming up, right? You know, and I'm, because you know how you get, you know how you like, sometimes you need to just like everything, like your, your clothing, you need to turn over your sex toy inventory because sometimes I'm looking at stuff. I'm like, I think this might be from a decade ago. Yeah. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Out of here. So anyway, and there's so much great technology. So, so I've just been having fun with it. Obviously just in the first week, but what I do for everyone that comes on at this during March is I have a, a thing that's a 46 facts about masturbation. And so I want you to pick two numbers between one and 46, and I will read those fun facts to you. Okay. I'll pick one. You pick one. Go for it. 25. 25. Okay. Let's see. Uh, 25 is... Oh, okay. The makeup of semen is different depending on whether a man masturbates or has intercourse. Did not know that. I had no clue. Did not know that either. Now we do. Your number. Well, I'm curious what they close the list out with. What's what's 46? 46. Okay, let's see. 
Oh. An anti-masturbation device called the Timely Warning was a penis cooling machine that used cold water to cool the organ of generation so that erotic subsidies and no discharge occurs. What? Wait, let me read that again. An anti-masturbation device called the Timely Warning was a penis cooling machine that used cold water to cool the organ of generation so that the erection subsides and no discharge occurs. Sounds like something during uh, Freud's era there. <laughs> yeah, I was yeah. going to say, sounds like something you can do just by living in the North. <laughs> there we go. There we go. All right. Well, with that, thank you guys so much for being on the show. And would you please let everybody know where they can find you and your lovely podcast? Sure. Well, thank you so much for having us. We really appreciate it. And people can find us. uh, The easiest place is our website, normalizingnonmonogamy.com. It's a long one, but you can type in just normalizing nonmonogamy or like in that, that version into Google. It should pull it right up. You can find us on Instagram and on Twitter, but On our website, we have podcast show notes and a lot of other information. We have in-person events and virtual events. We do virtual meet and greets that are so much fun that we do two a month that we'd love to have people come join us. And we also have a very active Patreon community where we have just... It's an opportunity for people to have a lot more support and community ongoing chat and monthly Q&A calls and men's and women's groups that we do as well. So all of that information is on our website. Did I miss anything? No, I was just going to say though that like you mentioned a few times, like we should be teaching this stuff. And I think one of the things we found is that the community that we've sort of built built around the show is exactly that. Like people come in and they're able to share like and support each other, right? It's not necessarily us telling them. It's like, Mm -hmm. hey, I'm struggling with this. And then three other people are like, oh man, I did that last week or, you know, that happened to me and here's what I did. And so like, there's just this like cohesive group of people from like literally all over the world that come together and like every day they're just talking about different things, sharing stories, supporting one another. And it's honestly like, Ben, we've made some amazing friends yeah. over the last few years in that. And so we're we're pretty fortunate mm-hmm. in that, right? So yeah, that's been one of the best parts of yes. this whole podcast yeah. journey yeah. for us. Awesome. Yeah. Now, and you can find our podcast on any podcast player too, just like yours. So you can yep. find yep. it yep. anywhere. Any syndicator, yep. it'll pop up. But yes. again, see now your consensual non-monogamy 101 should be in your Patreon group and it could be like uh, maybe a little giveaway or a bonus for, you know, the different tiers or whatever that you guys have. But, and one last question. So do you have, are single ladies allowed in your group? Anybody is allowed in our group. So you don't, you don't have to be in a couple or a thruple or anything. You can just be, be yourself, come as you are. And everybody is... Get more information. Yeah. Get more information. Exactly. And just find community. The biggest, I mean, our requirements are that you are open-minded and respectful. Like that's, those are the two things that you must be in these groups. And other than that, you're welcome at any of our events or our Patreon group or any of it. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Awesome, guys. Thank you so much for being on. Well, everyone, keep masturbating, please. And you guys know where you can find me as usual, CuriousGirlDiaries.com. My favorite thing is a voicemail if you want to leave me some feedback or if you want to leave some feedback for Emma and Finn, please do so. I will get your voicemail over to them and they can answer it personally. All right, everyone, stay happy, stay healthy, stay safe. Love you guys. Bye. Thanks so much for listening. And if you like what you hear, refer me to a friend. 
and make sure you're following me on social media. Also, go to the website, thecuriousgirldiaries.com and join my subscribers only list for access to exclusive content. And as usual, questions or comments, you can always email me at curiousgirl at thecuriousgirldiaries.com.